0: Audio
1: Episode Six Happy Birthday, Mr. Crowley Mom
2: Mom
3: <sighs> Mom What, Charlie?
2: What? Can we make pancakes? Have some cereal, honey. Oh.
1: Lissy felt terrible when she finally woke up. Hungover, tired, and unable to remember clearly what had happened the night before. She was pretty sure, at the very least, that her evening hadn't involved heroin, so that was good. But in the bathroom, as she wiped Pond's cold cream under her eyes and removed her smudged mascara, she couldn't shake this terrible feeling of some creeping nebulous dread. Could it be Charlie's demon? The Ouija board? It was more likely the hangover, she told herself. She only had fuzzy flashes of the later parts of the night before, but had something truly awful transpired, she would have remembered it. So why, she wondered, did she feel so unsettled?
3: Charlie, what happened to this kitchen? I tried to make pancakes. It's like a batter bomb went off in here. I should teach you to make coffee in the French press. It's easier, and what your mother actually needs... Do you know today is a special day? We're going to have a birthday party.
2: Where's Craig? I looked in his room. He's not there. What about Kathy? Nope, her either.
3: (sighs) Good help is hard to find. So are pancakes.
1: As Lissy made her morning coffee, pressing down slowly on the cafetiere, she decided... There would be no time for hangovers today, not with so much work to be done. If there was indeed a restless spirit in the house, she needed to appease it. It wouldn't do for that sort of energy to be present in the house when Eddie got home from the tour, no. The spirit must be soothed and Eddie must come home and then they'll all be happy. What more could anyone want?
3: Alright, darling, get dressed. We're going to have a little ride. I don't want to get dressed. This is a pajama day. Fine, don't get dressed. But
2: you're coming. Why are we taking one of Daddy's cars? Because, my
3: darling heart, we're going on a manhunt, and speed is of the essence.
1: Lissy was a very fast and very dangerous driver who had spent the vast majority of her adult life driving fast and dangerously on the other side of the road. Despite being in America, she still naturally drove on the left. The narrow streets of Sleepy Hollow were, thankfully, quiet enough that she didn't kill herself or indeed anyone else instead she left a trail of furious drivers as she sped along on the wrong side ignoring stop signs and traffic lights kathy was taking out the garbage as lissy rounded the corner she had a sony walkman on instantly recognizable as a bulky yellow box clipped to her belt so she didn't hear lissy's car until she pulled up She noticed Lissy too late to hide the Yellow Walkman, only a few of which had been produced and sent to people in the music business, Eddie Albright included.
3: You have got to be fucking kidding me! What? Nothing, love. Stay here, okay?
1: A surge of rage shot through Lissy, part hangover, part righteous indignation. had been stealing from them for months, and Lissy had finally had enough.
4: Give it here, Kathy. What? That's Eddie's Walkman. No, it's not. It's mine.
3: I bought it. Like hell you did. Those aren't for sale. It was a limited edition that they produced in minimal amounts to give as gifts. And while you're at it, I'll take my necklace back too. Thank you.
4: I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Just give me the fucking... (sighs) Ow! Ow. You you ripped out my fucking hair! I don't give a fuck! (laughs) Wait until I tell Eddie about this. Tell Eddie about what? That you've been robbing us blind? When I tell him about your stealing, he's not going to give a damn what you
4: tell him about me. (laughs) You think he won't care about the drugs? And your little affair with Craig? As if! Craig is a
3: child, and I'll mess with children. As for drugs, marijuana doesn't count. You think he'll care when I tell him you've been pocketing thousands of dollars of petty cash every week? I didn't say anything before. You know why? Because I felt sorry for you. You can take and take and take as much as you want from people like us, Kathy. But you will never be one of us.
4: I'd be careful if I were you, Miss Yellery. You'll get what's coming to you. I'll make sure of that.
2: Fucking leech. Why was Kathy yelling at you? Because she's unhinged. What does that mean? It means she's a
3: little bit crazy. That's okay. We don't have room for crazy people in our lives, do we, darling? No. And now, we're going to
1: go find Craig. Kathy stood on her front lawn next to her trash cans, feeling utterly bereft and afraid. Lissy didn't have to say it. She knew she was fired, she knew her lifeline had just been cut off, and she knew the worst might still be yet to come. Lissy never batted an eye at the things Kathy had helped herself to over the years. But if Lissy told Eddie, Eddie could go to the cops, and if he goes to the cops, Kathy could end up in jail. And so, all of a sudden, Kathy found herself the undeserving victim of an employer's malicious wife. But she would not go to jail, not for this, she wasn't sure how she'd do it but Kathy resolved to make sure Lissy never said a word. Down the block the spider growled its way to a stop in front of Craig's house. The chain link fence was partly collapsed and what was left of the lawn was a tangle of overgrown weeds. Somewhat ironically there were two large gleaming motorcycles next to the house the chrome glinting in the sunlight.
2: Where are we?
3: This is Craig's house. Here? Charlie, that's not very nice.
2: Sorry, it's just...
3: I know. And that is why we are here, to save our beloved Craig from the rusty car parts. You stay here. I'm going in. guess i'll have to knock louder
5: what the fuck jesus you're eddie albright's old lady
3: and you're craig's father i presume
5: i see what craig's talking about no wonder he's at your house all the time
3: where is he is he home
5: i don't know he's probably asleep
1: lazy fuck
3: excuse me then
1: Lissy ducked under the man's arm and walked through the house, past the sink piled high with dirty dishes, the counters covered with empty beer bottles. It was filthy, and she breathed through her mouth, not wanting to smell whatever rotting food was in there. At the end of the hall, she pushed the door open to a tiny box room. A bundle was in the bed, under a thin blanket with coats piled on top for warmth. Craig? Craig,
3: get up.
6: What are you doing here?
3: What happened to your face? I'm fine. This happened last night?
6: I said I'm fine.
3: Well, we can deal with that later. We're fucking rescuing you. Get your stuff and let's get out of here. It's not hygienic here.
6: I can't. You should go. You shouldn't have come.
3: Stop it. Get up. Charlie's in the car. You're coming with us, and when we get home, I'm going to make you breakfast. No. Wear your pants.
6: There's no point fighting you, is there?
3: Not if you know what's good for you. You're better off with us. We may be fucked up, but we're a family. And at least you won't be living in squalor. Come on, let's go. Jesus. Two fuckers already today. First Kathy, then your dad. Yeah. Don't they say bad things come in threes? What the hell is the next thing going to be? There's going to be a bad thing. No, 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 darling. I was just kidding. Craig's coming home to stay with us for a while, and that's a very good thing. Everything's going to be wonderful.
6: Speaking of wonderful, I guess you had fun last night. (laughs)
3: Last night? Jesus. I don't even remember what happened.
6: You were with Mickey.
3: Mickey? Who the hell is Mickey? Oh, that guy with the leather jacket. Him?
6: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: He is nothing. You know that, right? I don't even like him. Really? No. Oh, my God. Absolutely not.
1: Oh. Craig said nothing. He decided to... Forget about the night before, about what happened. Mickey, after all, wasn't the one moving in with Lissy and Charlie. Mickey wasn't the one she had shown up for, insisting he come home with her. She said it herself. She didn't even like him. His heart lifted, swelling with a joy he couldn't name. He knew that Lissy was right. Everything was going to be wonderful. Four Seasons Atlanta.
4: Yes, may I have Mr. Wordsworth's room, please? Do you have a first name for the guest, ma'am? William Wordsworth. Of course. One moment, ma'am.
0: Yeah, this is Jimmy.
4: Oh, Jimmy, I'm so glad I caught you. It's Kathy. Mhm. Is Eddie around?
0: He's at sound check.
4: Oh, well, I guess I'll tell you, Lissy, um, Lissy fired me this morning. Did she? Yes, and it was not pretty, and she's, well, Jimmy, we all know this, but she's not well. She was in a state. She dragged us all to Studio 54 last night and is tearing the house apart, looking for drugs and letting all sorts of weirdos into the house. It's just, it's just not good Mm hmm she's got it in her head you won't believe this that I've been stealing from them Uh, which is absurd I just wanted to give Eddie a heads up about what's going on but if you could just let Eddie know what's going on and that well this is hard but he can't believe whatever she's telling him about me you know she's just not well can you just let him know that for me
5: Eddie's very busy, Kathy.
4: Right. Well, from one member of their staff to another, if you can help me out, I owe you a huge favour.
2: You would indeed.
1: The only surprise in this exchange for Jimmy was that Lissy finally noticed something was amiss. He had clocked Kathy as a grifter from the moment she'd been hired... As unreliable as Lissy's account of these recent events would be, Eddie was trusting Jimmy to keep an eye on her. So a call to Villa Hellebore had to be made.
2: Hello? Hey there, Chief. Jimmy, what's up? Nothing much, son. We're in Atlanta tonight. That's in Georgia, right? He's such a clever fella. you are. <laughs> is your mum around? She is, but she's really busy. Is she now? Mm-hmm. We're throwing a party for her friend Alice. Alice is a boy. Also, he's dead.
0: Wow, well, that's gonna be quite a party. Yeah. What are you up
2: to? Playing with Craig. Who's Craig? He's taking care of me now. Mom fired Paula. Did she now? Yeah. Craig's awesome, though. He likes Star Wars and pancakes, and he's really old. Like, almost on the school. That's pretty old. Yeah, and his hair. It's blue and sticks straight up. And he wears clothespins as earrings. And he lived in a house that was like a garbage can house. So he moved in with us. Did he now? Yeah, so we're having fun.
0: Sounds like it. Well, listen, mate, I've got to run.
2: I'll tell your dad you say aye, all right, Pipsqueak?
1: Bye. It wasn't without a touch of disappointment that Jimmy ended his call with Charlie. He had watched Lissy spiral her way through almost a decade of self-destruction, with all its attendant highs and lows. He'd never before allowed himself to hope that the love of his best friend's life would ever actually part ways with her demons, until this last time until he saw her and Charlie making Swedish meatballs in the kitchen of that ghoulish house, like a Halloween-themed Norman Rockwell painting. But that hope was gone, and in its absence came a very familiar routine.
5: The monitor's a little hot, Al. Can we bring it down a bit? Yep. There it is. Cheers, Al. Eddie? Jimmy? What are you doing here? I've got to talk to you. I thought you said she was doing better. She was. God blimey. I can't handle this right now. I know, Ed. I almost didn't bring it to you, but I'm worried about Charlie. Oh, fuck. I can't deal with this on tour. One more month, then I'll be home. Then we'll... I don't know. Send her the fucking detox again, or divorce. Fuck knows. I can't deal with it now. Whatever you say, boss.
2: Let's build a frog. A frog? Yes. So we can study it and get ready for the tadpoles to grow up.
6: Can we only use green Legos for that?
2: No. We can use black and brown too.
1: Hmm. What about blue or red? Nah. Over Charlie's shoulder, Craig could see Lissy, busily engaged in the driveway. She had a pot of chalk powder in her hand and was slowly walking, pouring the powder in lines. A star shape. A pentacle. He felt a shiver run down his spine. He loved being here in this huge house. He loved Charlie, was beginning to already feel like a substitute father. And of course he was in love with Lissy, certain that it was only a matter of time until he became her substitute husband. But there were moments like the night with the Ouija board, or this moment now, as he watched Lissy chalking a pentacle in the driveway, pulling things out of a basket as she sat in the middle of the star, carefully placing objects around, that left Craig filled with a sense of foreboding.
2: What are you looking at?
6: I was just wondering what your mother is doing.
2: Magic. You know she's a witch.
6: What? What do you mean?
2: Don't worry. She's one of the good ones. Not a scary one. But she can make people do things and make things happen.
6: Like what kind of things?
2: Like making people do what she wants. Like... like you coming to live here.
6: Oh. That was magic, was it?
2: It was definitely magic. (laughs) Let's visit the tadpoles.
1: Craig tidied up the Legos and followed Charlie out through the garage past Eddie's E-Type Jaguar that Craig was hoping to drive, past the Silver Bullet, Eddie's Bentley S3 Continental, past the Alfa Romeo Spider, wondering how it was that he could have got so lucky and landed in a life that was better than he could ever have dared dream. Outside, Lissy was still sitting in the middle of the pentacle, surrounded by bottles of oil. Craig watched as she placed a black candle in the middle and unwrapped what looked like some strands of hair from a piece of fabric, closing her eyes and moving her lips as she moved the hair through the flame. Lissy looked up and got to her feet. She was in short denim shorts and a loose linen shirt. When the sun shone behind her, Craig could clearly see the outline of her breasts. He blushed and looked down. Maybe she was a bit crazy, but that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. She was still the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. You know what day it is, right, Craig?
6: October 12th.
3: And we must gather.
6: Why? Wait, because of that weird Ouija nonsense?
3: Don't ever call it nonsense. It's very powerful and we mustn't mess with it. How do you know? Reading, learning... My friend Kenneth Anger got me started. Oh. The film director? Anyway. It's Aleister Crowley's birthday and we have to mark it in some way. Eris wanted a gathering.
6: Yeah. And a sacrifice. Please don't say we have to kill an animal.
3: No. I've been studying up on that. You don't always have to do things by the book. I've cast a spell to ensure the spirits will be happy. No sacrifice tonight, promise. Let's just invite some people, put on a little music, drink a little, smoke a little, let's have some fun.
1: It wasn't what Craig wanted to do. He was hoping for a quiet night with Lissy. She would make something to eat, after which their evenings were spent listening to music, smoking weed, popping a few pills and zoning out in the conversation pit. She'd tell him stories of their life before Villa Hellebore or of Villa Hellebore itself. One time, Lissy even showed him the collection of rare and expensive firearms Eddie kept in the library. There was a screening room downstairs... They had both watched The Deer Hunter the night before last, and it made Craig wonder if that movie, with its gripping violence, was why he was feeling so unsettled. He had to remind himself it was just a film. It wasn't real life, at least not his real life. And in those moments, it had felt like he and Lissy were a couple. He knew eventually they would be. Maybe Eddie wouldn't ever come home, and he and Lissy and Charlie would be a real family. Frankly, Eddie deserved to lose Lissy. Who would leave a woman like Lissy Ellery alone for months at a time? A man who didn't appreciate her, who could never love her in the way Craig was now certain he did.
3: You invite those friends that came to 54 the other night. I'll see who's around town. I like our builder and his girlfriend. And there are a couple of cool people who are in Connecticut. I'll see if they're around. We'll celebrate crowley properly.
6: We're not going to do anything weird, are we?
3: <laughs> that depends. What do you mean by weird?
6: Like... I don't know. Wearing black cloaks and dancing around that pentacle?
3: Oh, Craig, you are funny. Sweet boy that you are. I do like having you here. Thanks. Let's build a big bonfire, and maybe we'll recite a poem or two. Either way, no black cloaks and nothing scary. Will you build a fire for me in the middle of the pentacle?
6: Really? It's getting cold. It feels like snow.
1: The weather report for that day was for unseasonably cold weather, and Craig's gut did not deceive him. Snow began drifting out of the sky around mid-afternoon. It picked up, faster and faster, until everything was a sea of white, including the large pile of wood Craig stacked up in the middle of the driveway pentacle.
3: I'm going to phone everyone and tell them it's wet snow so it's fine, no ice. They can all stay over if they want. You can stay with me, so that's an extra bed.
6: Yeah, okay, sure.
1: The first people started arriving at around seven. The snow had stopped and everything outside was soft and quiet, apart from the dull bass coming from the -the state-of-the-art speakers in the great room. Well,
6: the snow didn't stop the party.
1: But it did stop my bonfire.
6: Then we'll just have to keep things warm in here.
3: Oh, yes. And how are we going to do that, Craig? Mommy! Oh, Charlie, my love. Are you having fun? Yeah. Lissy. Simeon. Hello, darling.
0: Hey.
3: Boys, this is Simeon. He plays guitar with Eddie and came all the way from Connecticut.
0: Hey boys, Hello. I also brought a big old bag of shrews.
3: Wonderful, I'll make tea. Can I have some tea? No, my love, this is grown up tea. In fact, it's also grown up time. You need to go to bed. I'm not going to bed, I want to stay up. What about if Craig takes you up? He's almost a grown up. Almost? Can you read me a story, Craig?
6: Lissy, I'm already like, crazy stone.
3: Craig would love to read you a story. Wouldn't you, Craig?
6: Yeah, of course. Of course, I'd love to.
3: All right, let's go. Wait, what about a good night kiss for your mummy? Good night, Mama. Good night, Mina Oggslinger. I love you.
1: The night progressed. People moving from room to room. More people coming, some people leaving. They helped themselves to drink, drugs, food. Some found spaces for sex, others sat by the fireplace, gazing into the fire as if there were secret worlds hidden in the dancing flames. Lissy was partying up a storm. The mushroom tea made her feel happy and light, everything a little brighter, a little more vivid. At one point, she sunk onto the sofa picking up her copy of Sergeant Pepper. As she watched, the Beatles and all the people crowded behind them rose one by one into the sky as patterns swirled and spun. God, she loved drugs. she just hoovered up a couple of lines of coke, was feeling good, and was completely happy to let her wayward husband screw off in whatever direction he chose.
6: Craig! Robbie, uh, you made it.
0: And just in time, by the look of it, your eyes look like flying saucers. <laughs> what have
6: you been? Putting the kid to bed. I had some mushroom tea earlier, and I feel like a spaceship. Uh, I don't know what that means. Neither do
0: I. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try the tea? I'm good with my little bottle of vodka here. Unless you've got some blow floating around. No.
6: Too rich for my blood.
0: Oh, Lissy's got to have some stash somewhere.
6: Yeah, you'd think. But Lissy doesn't buy drugs. She's trying to be good, she says. Ah. She also says that only ugly girls pay
0: for drugs. (laughs) What a foxy chick, man. She is. Hey, I'm sorry about my uncle I heard he crashed your trip to this city.
6: Yeah, that guy sucks, man. I can't believe you're related.
0: I'm saving up for the blood test to confirm or deny that.
6: Smart investment.
0: Yeah, at least he's not here tonight. Thank God for that.
5: Alright, losers. Get ready for a real party. Woo!
6: <laughs> wait, wait, what? God damn it. I did not tell him about tonight, I swear. Fuck, man. I can't have him fucking up my shit with Lissy
5: tonight. Where are you going? Hey Craig, how you doing, buddy?
6: Here's my jacket. Oh, uh, hey Mickey. Um, listen man, I'm so sorry about this, but we only bought enough booze and stuff for invited guests. We're trying to kind of keep it intimate. (laughs) Yeah, this looks pretty fucking intimate. I'm just trying to do what Lissy wants. I don't think she'll be stoked that you're here. Looking after your girl, huh?
5: Pretty much. Well, listen man, I love that, okay? And I respect the hell out of you for it. Um, uh, thank you? Yeah, but here's the thing. Lissy Ellery is a man's woman, yeah? And you're... Well, you're just not a man, buddy. Not yet. You're a kid. And look, I'm sure she loves you doting on her and, and doing her laundry and taking care of a kid, but... You can't give her what she really needs, you know what I'm saying? So just chill out, okay? Leave this one to an
1: actual man. Mickey goes in search of a drink, leaving Craig standing in the front hallway feeling embarrassed and impotent. His high was turning paranoid. He was a man, and he was tired of being told otherwise. Tonight, he decided, was the night he'd prove it to everyone. And he knew exactly how to do it.
0: problem with Altamont was the actual venue got changed like four times. Mm. We had to do mm.
5: all this stuff on the fly, we had a ton of technical problems, wow.
0: then of course some genius hired the Hells Angels to do security, and well, you know how that went. Yeah. Hey, sexy.
3: Who the... Get your hands whoa, off whoa, me. Hey,
5: hey, it's just me. You good time boy, you know.
3: Nick? Nicky, right?
5: Eh, close enough.
3: Meet Michael Lang. He's a concert promoter.
5: <laughs> concert promoter, huh? Any money in that? Well, I did pretty well with Woodstock.
3: Do you have any more of the good stuff, Nikki?
1: Anything for you, baby. Craig remembered exactly where Lissy kept the key for Eddie's cabinet of rare and expensive firearms. Even the cabinet itself, with its rich, dark chestnut doors, seemed to suggest a serious but subdued sense of power and strength. Craig couldn't suppress a boyish feeling of fascination with Eddie's collection. There was a massive black metal shotgun, some sort of infantry rifle that could have been from World War I, and a slew of handguns, amongst which was the subject of his search a vintage nine-millimeter Smith & Wesson revolver. The handle was polished wood, the steel intricately acid-etched with swirling patterns of leaves and flowers, adding an unexpected delicacy to the weapon. Lissy told Craig it had always been her favorite of his guns for its beauty alone. If he was going to protect his woman like a real man should, he'd be able to do it better with a revolver like this tucked into his belt.
5: So, uh, why don't we find some place quiet to, uh, you know, really get the party going?
3: That sounds nice.
6: You guys want to get this party going? Hmm? Hell
5: yeah, kid. What do you have in mind? Whoa, man. What (laughs) the fuck? Easy.
3: Craig, what are you doing? Put the gun back.
6: I wanna play a game.
5: What kind of game?
6: Russian roulette?
5: <laughs> I guess you've seen the dare hunter, there, huh? That's uh that's the scene everyone's talking about.
6: So? How about it? No, I'm not playing fucking Russian roulette.
5: That's for idiots and losers.
6: No. It's a game that real men play. I guess you're too much of a pussy.
5: <laughs> no, man. I'm not doing this. It- what is this about, Lissy? She's all yours, dude. Put the gun away. Love and peace, man. No guns, no war.
6: You know. Oh. What are you frightened of? Psst. One bullet, six rounds. What are the chances, pussy? Excuse me?
3: What are the chances, Nikki? Isn't it good to live dangerously once in
5: a while? It's Mickey. Wait, are you fucking crazy? This isn't a game. I'll play. I'm not scared. Like my bitch ass uncle here.
0: Bitch ass. Robbie,
5: no! Nah. For fuck's sake, your mother will kill me.
6: What Mama don't know won't hurt her. Nikki.
5: <laughs> nice one.
6: You two are children,
5: you don't know how dangerous this is. I am telling you, this is not a game. This is not something to you play around with.
4: You were
1: a child last night. Do it, do Let's it, see. Do help it. me. Do it.
4: Do it. What? <laughs>
1: Something changed in the energy, drawing people from around the house to the hallway. Whispers went round, something was going on, something big, some game. Everyone was out of it, drunk, speeding, stoned, tripping. Lissy led the trio into the living room to the coffee table with the rest of the party in tow. Craig, Mickey and Robbie sat down around the coffee table Mickey's leg bouncing clearly through the glass top. Turn down the music!
6: Alright. I'll spin. This is the
5: stupidest fucking <gasps> Ladies first.
0: Oh You're up, Craig. Okay. Come on, man. Oh, You're killing me. No, no. Oh, no fucking
5: way! Oh,
2: no way! no
5: way! Oh, no way! Alright. Alright. I'll go next.
0: I am having nothing to do with this. Please. Oh, it's so scary. Look at the big bad pistol! <laughs> Shit. Oh! Whoops oh. <laughs> oh,
5: oh,
2: yes.
5: Your turn oh, oh. oh shit ah!
3: Oh shit <laughs>
2: oh,
3: My brave boys My heroes Did you see that?
1: Relief flooded the room Everyone sinking, their bodies finally collapsing. None of them realizing how stiffly they'd been holding themselves, how taut with tension their bodies had been. But Craig never took his eyes off Mickey.
6: Round two.
2: Oh.
1: (gasps) Round two.
2: two. Wait,
5: wait, wait. We're going again. There's no fucking way I am doing that again. Oh yeah. Who's the man now, Mickey?
3: Craig! Wait! Ah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this. I'm getting the fuck out of here.
3: Oh, come on. Give me that thing, Craig.
6: Lissy, Lissy, don't touch. Wait, don't touch that.
3: It's not so bad! All you do is take the gun and.
6: Lizzie! Fuck!
2: Fuck! fuck.
0: For WNBC News in New York, I'm Bruce Hastings. Lizzie Ellery, who has died at age 35, is remembered for her relationship with Eddie Albright, lead guitarist and founder of the rock band The Wide-Eyed Boys. In a tragic accident at their home in Sleepy Hollow, New York, while playing a game of Russian roulette, Lizzie Ellery made the ultimate sacrifice. Born in Sweden in 1944, she moved to London, where her work as a model first caught the eye of Dave Boland, then the lead singer of the Wide Eyed Boys. A volatile and abusive relationship, it ended when Dave Boland drowned during a trip to Morocco in 1969. Lissy returned in the arms of Eddie Albright, with whom she remained until her tragic death. Mr. Albright could not be reached for comment. But Hugh Ryder Pearson, the manager of the Wide-Eyed Boys, said of Lissy Ellery, she kept things crazy.
1: It had been five months since the double tragedy. First, Lissy blowing her brains out. Then, days later, the kid who'd been helping out, Craig, taking an overdose his guilt at Lissy's death too much for him to bear. In his suicide note, he said Lissy was the love of his life and he would be joining her in heaven, or hell, wherever she was. Eddie had been numb for months, filling his days with Charlie and with activity, dealing with the team that cleaned up Villa Hellebore, then another team to pack it. He would never set foot in that house again. He'd always known it had bad juju. He never realized how dark it would get. There was a hole in his heart now that would always be there. His focus would stay on Charlie. His focus should always have been on Charlie. He would often give thanks for the officer who found Charlie that night and whisk the young boy out of the house before he could see his mother, splayed out and bloody on her beloved shag carpet. Here is your tea, Eddie. Thanks, Paula. Paula had come back as soon as she heard about Lissy, and the three of them Eddie, Paula, and Charlie had relocated to Eddie's home in Wolberswick, a beautiful country village on the Suffolk coast of England. Charlie was now at the local school with a uniform and homework. He had friends who came over after school to play football. He went to bed every night at eight o'clock with a mug of Ovaltine and a bedtime story. Eddie was mostly home, and when he wasn't home, Paola was. The world was changing. Eddie had no idea what the future would hold, only that Lissy's death Was the death of an era. They had had it all, he and Lissy. The glamorous 60s, hanging out with the Rolling Stones and the Gettys in Marrakesh. The drugs, the money, the traveling, giving way to the 70s with its cocaine-fueled parties and never-ending wild nights. But now it was 1980. Change was in the air. Some of his friends, gay men, were dying of the same rare cancer. There was little written about it, but Eddie could feel that everything was going to be very different. A new decade would bring a fresh start. Who knew what that might look like? The only thing Eddie knew for sure is that this decade would be, at least for him, more peaceful than the last. He looked up at the heavens and raised his mug in a silent toast. You did keep things crazy, he thought. I wish we'd known there would be a price to pay. There is always a price to pay.
2: Dad! Can we go on the tractor now?
5: Have you done your homework?
2: Yes. Paolo helped me with math.
5: Come on then. Let's go.
1: Eddie got up from the bench and walked over to his son, draping an arm around his shoulders as the two of them walked through the meadow. A gust of warm wind blew Charlie's hair around his head as he looked up to his dad and laughed, leaning into him as he tried to keep up. This is Jane Green. If you have questions for us about Rainbow Girl or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Again, that's rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerald Audio Network. Rainbow Girl is a production of Emerald Audio in association with Gemini 13. Based on a story by Jane Green, written by Jane Green and Tommy Lombardi. Produced and directed by Garrett Scott for Real Jetpacks Productions. Theme music by Tyler Cash. Featuring the voices of Quincy Dunbaker, Dan Bittner, Tim Dadabo, Jane Green, Jake Hart, Mitchell Hoag, Ryan Cooperman. Tam Mutu, Sarah Natchenny, Sandra Okuboyejo, Jeremy Carlisle Parker, Deborah Rain, Max Ruhl, Emily Schaefer, and Harry Smith. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers Jane Green, Spencer Brown, and Mark Francis. Special thanks to. Charles Steinhauer, Scott Waxman, Jacob Bronstein, David Bibby, and Travis Bell.